she appears in a female form. Uh, it's not as though she's a woman, we're women. In fact, she's neither male nor female. She's androgynous, as all bodhisattvas are. But because her form is female, it does mean that she'll be expressing the strengths and qualities in that way through feminine beauty, and that has a certain meaning to us. But also I thought it important to talk about Tara because, well, here we are in Tara's realm, Tara Loka, and Tara Loka literally means the realm or the place of Tara. And Tara occupies a very important place in the vision of Tara Loka. Uh, she's behind the myth of Tara Loka. And you know, it's very appropriate for, then, for us to talk about Tara and to invoke her spiritual being here as much as possible. So now we're going to make a voyage into Tara's realm, an inner voyage. And to do this, I'd like us all, apart from me, who's going to read my notes, to shut our eyes. <laughs> and we're going to make a voyage into the imaginary realm, the image of Tara. Just checking. <laughs> so as we enter this world, we see all about us a blueness, the deep azure blue of a summer's day, a summer's sky. And it's stretching away into the vast infinity of space all about us. It's stretching above us and below us to every side of us. Deep, clear, blue sky. And we can feel it around us, even if we can't see it. So we've got this feeling of this infinitude of blueness. And within the blueness, we become aware of a rainbow gently forming, forming in the sky in front of us and above us. And it's shimmering, translucent, hardly apparent. Arching down before us in delicate shades, of violet, indigo, blue, green, yellow, orange, red. Following the curve down into the blue, down and down, and we see a figure at the base of the rainbow, a figure within the rainbow light. And it's the exquisite, bejeweled figure of the Bodhisattva Tara, shimmering within the rainbow. Her form is made of light, luminous, translucent, and she sits as light as thistledown in the midst of space. Her skin radiates a soft, translucent jade green, a bluey green, like the soft, pale green grasses that grow in the fields, or the deeper green of the cypress tree. Every pore of her skin is green, luminous, like the effect of sunshine pouring through a sheet of green glass or silk. And she's sitting at ease on a circular pure white moon mat, which rests on the petals of a large pale blue lotus, fresh and sweetly blooming. She looks quite beautiful. She's ornamented with silks and jewels, 
a skirt of rainbow-coloured silk falling in gentle folds to her ankles. A pure white silk sash flows down from her left shoulder, and it's loosely tied at her waist. Other silk scarves, orange or blue, float around her form, around her arms, floating back into space behind her. As sunlight catches snow crystals in a brilliant flash of purity, so the jewels adorning Tara's form and garments flash or gleam about her. A triple necklace of gold and turquoise hangs from her neck. The intense pale blue-green of the turquoise is always linked with Tara, and it's set in beautiful gold in the jewellery. It's set in her earrings, in her anklets, in her bracelets. On her piled black hair, she wears the five-pointed crown of the Bodhisattva, each point inset with a deep blue sapphire. Her hair is falling softly to her waist behind her. The Tara is sitting very gracefully on the lotus, with her left leg raised up as if in meditation. But her right leg is stepping down, her foot is stepping down from the lotus, stepping down from meditation. So she's stepping out as if constantly, spontaneously moved to the aid of someone who needs her. And her movement is light and energetic, quite easy. It's as though she's constantly moving to come down to us, to come to meet us. And we see a smaller blue lotus has sprung up for her foot to rest on. There's a graceful movement in her body to the right as she steps down. And with that movement her right arm is stretched out towards us. Her hand resting on her right knee, palm uppermost. Fingers outstretched, open towards us. The stalk of blue lotus flowers lying gently across her palm. Two buds and a flower reaching up gracefully to open out at her shoulder. Her left hand is held to her heart. The palm open towards us. And between her thumb and third finger, she's holding the stalk of three lotus blossoms. The stalks curve up, and they rest above her right shoulder. Blue lotuses in varying stages of unfoldment. A tightly curled bud at one side. Another bud in partial unfoldment. Fresh and energetic. A third lotus in full bloom. Petals softly spread out. It's the Utpala flower, a rare and delicate blue lotus, which grows only in the high reaches of the mountains, where the air is clear and pure. Blossoms opening out in the darkness of night, and being exquisitely sweet-scented. Tara's head leans very slightly to the right, following the movement of her body. 
and she's looking down, as if moved to compassion by the suffering she sees. Her face is very gentle and beautiful. It's the most natural and fresh, most beautiful face we could imagine. And she looks clear and bright. She's got long, dark eyes. And a smile of pleasure and happiness. We sense a, a joy and delight in existence within her. She has a vitality and spontaneity of a girl of sixteen, completely pure and stainless. But as we see her sitting, majestic and bejeweled, we also see her more queenly qualities, her serenity and calm, her strength and energy. But in her gaze, we feel the warmth and compassion of a mother. And as her image gradually fades away, perhaps we're left with the impression of those eyes before us. Her soft, dark, steady eyes, gentle and kind, looking out and reaching out into ours with her kindness and understanding. And as we come back to the room, perhaps for a moment we forget who we are. Perhaps we forget everything we've ever known about Tara. Well, we can't know Tara. There's something of the unknown about her. Her being is a wonderful manifestation of the transcendental. It's as though she's the perfume of the infinite blue sky of the Dharmakaya, the formless space of the enlightened mind. So Tara is what is what's known as an archetypal bodhisattva. Archetypal bodhisattvas don't exist in the same way that we exist. They exist as a spiritual force which transcends time and space completely. And it's as if these bodhisattvas step down from what is a formless world into our world, but they're clad in an appearance which manifests to us the essence of enlightenment. Even though each bodhisattva is different in form and character, each one manifests the very heart and essence of enlightenment. And we could see, perhaps, that compassion was the essence of enlightenment, or wisdom, or imperturbable calm, infinite energy. And all of these would be tr quite true, because all of them are at the very heart of the whole experience of enlightenment. But different bodhisattvas appear to have a sort of character which emphasizes certain strengths or aspects, and these are communicated to us through their images. It's how the images communicate themselves to us, through their colors and their forms and their gestures, garments, the jewels that a bodhisattva wears, the positions they sit in. So all of these express some particular quality or action to us. And we could listen to a description of the qualities and experiences 
of a bodhisattva, but we probably wouldn't be able to really understand the enlightenment, the experience of enlightenment from that, or just from words. It's sort of highly unlikely. Because as, we, as we've seen during the week in the meditations that Jayaprabha has been leading, that the images have got a very strong power to engage us and interest us. Um, they arouse our feelings and emotions, and so they let us experience more deeply. And perhaps so it's images which are the most suitable means of conveying an enlightenment experience to us. In any case, the experience is bound to go beyond words. So words are going to be powerless to convey that experience. Whereas with an image, well, there's just no restriction as to how far it can go. I mean, the only restriction is the depth to which we can experience it at any one time. And we're just going to be able to travel along with that image and experience ourselves and that image more and more deeply. So even a very simple image can express quite a lot. Again, as we've seen this week with the image of the jewel or the vajra or the lotus. I mean, there can be a lot of depth within just one expression. One small aspect of Tara can just open up a whole world of reflection, a whole world of thought and feeling. So, for example, if we recall the way that Tara is sitting, and she's sitting with her right hand open and outstretched towards us. <coughs> so perhaps we could just shut our eyes again and just imagine that to ourselves. So we're imagining that Tara is in front of us and her right hand is sort of just open and stretched out on her knee towards us. Just concentrating on that gesture. But now imagine that it is us, we're sitting in that way, <clears throat> and it's our right arm stretched out away from us. It's stretched out, palm open and palm uppermost, fingers outstretched. And just let the feeling of that gesture, that mudra as it's called, feel how that affects us. What feelings that evoke. So would anyone like to just say what feelings they felt from that experience? Hmm. It may well be something quite different for each person, so. Hmm. <coughs> Anybody else? Offering. Hmm. Yes, right. So what I was reflecting on that. Well, yes, I feel it's a sort of feeling of a stretching away from myself somehow, or sort of an outward going openness sort of feeling, which I think is sort of conveyed by all those words in different ways, but the, the point I was trying to make was traditionally that's sort of said, well that's the gesture of giving, but it's much more immediate if we actually reflect on that for ourselves and think, well, well, giving is just a word, but the feeling behind it, it just goes a lot further, it's a feeling of openness and we want to give, and it's a feeling of outward goingness and giving from the heart, so in just reflecting on the gesture 
putting aside the traditional interpretation, we've got a chance of coming closer to the experience for ourselves. I haven't got time in the talk to do this with every aspect of Tara's being, but I just thought we'd do that as an example. So most of us probably do have a good idea of the traditional explanations of Tara's symbol, her shape, her, her mudras, her gestures, her colours, all of that. And helpful as that is, as a sort of source of reflection, it's probably a good idea to try and let go of it as far as we can, and to let go of our present conceptions about Tara. Uh, in fact, to let go of our present conceptions about any image that we want to gain inspiration from in order just to see it and feel it for ourselves and just trust our own experience that that is going to be what's important to us it's how we experience that image so we approach each image with a fresh beginner's mind each time we look at it and quite a few people who are beginners here are very lucky because they can just do that straight away So this is because we're not using the image to confirm a previous understanding of the Bodhisattva. We're not looking for confirmation of our ideas in approaching a Bodhisattva, because that's, we're going to become a bit stuck if we try to do that. So each time we see a tanka, as these paintings of a Bodhisattva are called traditionally, or a rupa, which is a word for a statue or form of a Buddha or Bodhisattva, well, ideally, that would be, we'd allow that to be a new experience for us, and therefore one that changes us and helps us to develop, helps us to grow through the experience of the appreciation of it. And so in this way, symbols and images can become alive. Well, they're like living things, just as we are. If we can appreciate, respect the life within us and the life within the symbol, and treat them as such, well, they're always going to be a source of a rich and deep experience for us. So what I'd like to do now is, you know, on the whole, share some of my own reflections on Tara. And again, there's not time to do much more than just sort of touch the surface of a few of her symbols or a few of her mudras. And, well, they are my own fairly personal reflections with a bit of obviously influenced by traditional sources. Um, not a totally beginner's mind, but uh, well, perhaps um, it can be the beginning of our own voyage of discovery of Tyra, and we can take the symbol away with us and just dwell on it for ourselves afterwards and see what we can do with that. But first of all, there's just one more bit of participation that I thought we could enter into together, and this is to explore green, the colour green. Uh, Tara, well this is the form green Tara, and well she's completely green. So what does this mean? So again, if we could shut our eyes and, or if we want to just look at the, the greenness of one of the pictures, and just focus on that green, that jade green colour. Jade green of, of uh, perhaps leaves or fresh grass, or if we've seen actual jade ourselves, it's got that sort of soft, translucent, uh, pale green to it. So letting the green, bluey green, just sink into us and affect us.
Or would anyone like to share their reflections on or associations with green? What the colour evokes first and foremost. Freshness. Hmm. 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 Nature. Nature. Hmm. Any more? Hmm. Gosh, it's a wide ranging colour. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony. Hmm? Softness. Hmm. Mm. Sustaining life. Hmm. Is it Karen? Hmm. Mm. Mm. Right. So what I was thinking of green, I was thinking of oh yes, growth as well, and it does seem to be the colour of new life in, in nature and sort of shoots and greenness and um, so I was thinking aliveness as well and vibrancy that so this green is very alive and well, it's the colour of the green traffic light isn't it which is the go <laughs> go not stop it's got a feeling of movement to it uh, but it does seem to have quite a lot of <coughs> a lot of depth in it in the colour there seems to be two poles in it somehow so it's this sort of movement but at the same time there is this restful calm soft tranquil feeling to it and well i feel that's not out of keeping with tara actually but she does have these poles in her that which seem to be expressed at the same time there was a sort of complexity in the greenness of her symbol um yeah i feel the association with healing and uh in a way goes with nature, that nature has this sort of healing effect, a sort of soothing effect, walking through green fields and in the woods, with just having green all around. There's that feeling of it will just take anything in and heal over any disturbance or just sort of soothe, sort of, you know, ruffled uh, feelings. So there does feel to be that in within Tara this sort of movement and aliveness and action, but at the same time this sort of calm and tranquility. And in Buddhism actually green is the colour associated with the element air. So it's in the air, air particles are free to move quite quickly and easily and they can move in any direction. And green is also, well it's the colour of Amoga Siddhi, who's also associated with air. And he's the head of the Buddha, the head of the action family in which Tara is associated. So Tara, in that way, is seen as being very active, and she can move quickly. She's called the, the quick one, the quick heroine in Tibet. Uh, she's quick because she, she can move her energies very easily available. Um, she's very approachable and very accessible. So sort of very much mobilised to come to someone's help. She's sort of stepping down from this lotus as though she's constantly ready to come and be of help. I think that there is this feel of utter too in the green and in the mudras that she does give fearlessness, that she gives calm. But in feeling calm, in a way, one feels fearless, one feels strong in oneself. 
um, and the sort of gesture that she has, sort of just the openness of the palms to us, it has that feeling to me of a sort of giving of calm and tranquility, <coughs> um, a giving of help, which gives fearlessness, which gives confidence. And again in Tibet's Tara, well the name Tara literally means star, and in Tibet they, they often call her Doma, which means mother. And so her, they thought that her compassion and kindness, well they're unlimited, and unlimited in extent to all beings, and all beings are felt to be her children, as it were. So the love that she gives is not just to a couple of children, but to every, every, you know, every form of existence. But her kindness is the kindness of a mother, which seems to me to be quite a sort of practical kindness and no nonsense, uh, not not sentimental and wishy-washy. So she just helps out in whatever way is appropriate. Uh, you may not always find it's the way that you want to be helped. <laughs> but Tara gives people what they need. So she's sitting with her left leg in meditation. It's drawn up on her moon mat. And the right leg is stepping out, as if stepping out into the world. And that could represent to us perhaps a conflict. So a conflict between the need to tr meditate, gain inspiration, transform ourselves. <coughs> but also we feel that there is a need out there, that people do need help. There's a lot of suffering. And perhaps we could just do much more if we weren't you know, meditating all the time. And uh, we could just sort of get out there and be of help. And there's probably something in there that we could reflect on for ourselves quite a bit. But perhaps what she's um, exemplifying here for us is that the two needn't be mutually exclusive. Um, and that she seems to be, well, she's in meditation, she's very tranquil, but at the same time, she is out there giving all the time. Her actions are her meditation. So to some extent, what we do is going to, well, our, our kind, generous actions are going to help us develop. They are going to enrich us and make us become help us become more mature, um, they're going to be a deep experience for us. But at the same time she's saying, well, you can't just leave that behind, you can't leave meditation behind or your own development behind. And really her sitting in meditation posture um, does seem to symbolise that well, she is very much in touch with her own depths of vision and insight and that really does come through into her action. So Katara doesn't, doesn't feel passionate <coughs> activity to be a problem or a difficulty, and bodhisattvas in general don't. It's said that for them, uh, it's just their play. It's like the play of elephants, which love to jump in and out or walk in and out of cool ponds in the hot dust of a summer's day. This is an Indian simile for the bodhisattva at play. But it isn't, it isn't hard work and it's not a grind. They just are spontaneously compassionate and spontaneously coming to help. So she's, Tara's continuously in touch with her, her depths of inspiration and, well, in fact, her intuitive wisdom. So the, the tranquility of meditation and the wisdom are very much the source they're very much behind her, her kindness and her compassion. And her compassion is very much guided uh, 
you know, by that wisdom. So we could think, well, perhaps action, well, without any reflection or understanding, it can be quite empty. That could be useless, so it could even be dangerous or unhelpful. So we don't just base helpful action on enthusiasm or a spirit of wanting to do good, because that may, may be worse than doing nothing at all. The Bodhisattva, the Bodhisattva's action is, is um, imbued with the transcendental perspective of the Bodhisattva, of, of wisdom, of the enlightened mind. So that even goes beyond reflecting or just thinking that the Tara actually knows through her insight what needs to be done. And another pointer to her wisdom is the five-pointed crown which is on her head. And that's inset with sapphires. deep blue sapphires, and that shows that she's adorned with the wisdom of all the five Buddhas. So every aspect of the enlightened mind is within her, and she wears it as an adornment, as a beautiful crown. And so every aspect, everything about her really shows this aspect of being adorned with her qualities. Uh, she doesn't make, as I say, she doesn't make hard work of helping others. Uh, it doesn't stop her from being calm and serene. It doesn't stop her from wearing exquisite jewellery and beautiful silks. It's as though all that goes hand in hand with everything that she does. It doesn't stop her from being very feminine and being very able to uh, express her feminine qualities and her positive energies. So she can be very graceful. She's completely at ease in herself, in her feminine form. Um, she's completely at ease with her positive qualities. She knows them very well. And she wears them like sparkling jewellery about her. And she has developed them to the full. It's her merits, perhaps her punya. <coughs> and actually this aspect of Tara has been quite important for me in my appreciation of Tara. Because, well, I used to feel Tara to be a bit wishy-washy and uh, sort of feminine in not a very strong sort of way. Uh, it's a bit complex to explain, but uh, it seems to be something to do with allowing oneself to be oneself and just let that be sort of radiate out from one, but not forcing oneself to be a certain way, and not forcing oneself to act unnaturally, so that sort of allowing the process, natural process of unfoldment to occur uh, is a very strong thing to do in my experience, that when I've actually allowed myself to be myself. I've actually grown much faster than when I've been pushing myself to be a certain way or when I've been sort of aiming to be, to do, develop this quality or that quality. So it feels as though it's a very quick way of changing to allow oneself to unfold. Uh, it's a very um, immediate. And I think Tara, well she's known as the quick way to wisdom. And maybe this is because she reaches straight to the heart and she tells you, just be yourself. Just uh, stand there and let yourself shine somehow. Trust yourself. Yes, so Tara does point to a taking to delight in one's own beauty. So what we take delight are our own positive qualities and we use them as the basis for our growth. And we let them adorn us like the jewels that adorn Tara. 
And again, for me, in my own experience, it was something I found difficult to let my feminine qualities be any adornment at all because I thought they were a bit boring compared to dynamic, you know, more masculine energies. Uh, but what we have to do is really accept our own qualities as we find them and use them for the, the basis for our growth. Um, yeah, just all opening out to what's already there. Through the development of what is there, we will probably open out to a fullness of more masculine qualities too, if we find that they are less to our hearts, or feminine qualities if we find the masculine ones are the ones that we feel easier at the moment. So perhaps Tara is symbolising the fact that we can just trust our own wish to grow and develop. We can trust ourselves. And it's through trusting our own wish to grow and develop that we are going to do that, to develop. Her left hand, then, is held up to her heart, and her palm is open towards us, holding a lotus blossom a bit like this. And because the palm is open again, there's quite a strong gesture of a giving of confidence, as I mentioned at the beginning of the talk. And she's holding the three lotuses of spiritual unfoldments, which open out at her shoulder. Again, seeming to exemplify that if we trust in her, or trust in the experience that she's trying to convey, we're going to be able to open ourselves out gradually like those lotuses. So that gesture of giving fearlessness, um, giving confidence, in a way is helping us towards um, confidence in the three jewels, confidence in the path of development, which she exemplifies. And another name that Tara bears is the one that ferries across. It's as though she's a boat that ferries us across from our unhappy or ignorant state or um, confused, whatever it is, to a more clear, happy, beautiful state from samsara to nirvana, so from ignorance to wisdom. She helps us because she helps the process of our growth. And she helps through her gentleness, which gives us strength. So I think we'll find from all that, oh, there are quite a lot of qualities in, within Tara. And there are the very many poems also, uh, eulogies to Tara that have been written. She's very popular source of um, verses of uplift, if you like, uh, particularly in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Uh, people implore her help, uh, they ask her to guide them, and she almost always comes across as a very strong character indeed, uh, very dynamic and full of even wrathful energies. Uh, in, not only is there one Tara, but there's said to be 21 Taras, and, well, Green Tara being one of those, and most of the other times are actually quite wrathful in form. And I think well, perhaps this shows that compassion is not always going to express itself in gentleness, uh, but perhaps in more forceful ways if necessary. It's said that Tara will use any means to help people who are suffering. So there are images of Tara holding lassoes and iron hooks and <laughs> other implements. And all of these are intended as means of just grabbing beings in order to rescue them. 
Uh, and some of us actually make it very hard for Tara to rescue us. <laughs> we almost don't want to be rescued. Uh, but once we've asked Tara to help us, well, that's it. She's going to come after us uh, until we're safely on the spiritual path. So she's a fierce spiritual heroine as well as a gentle one. And she's very full-blooded and wholehearted. And her, her kindness, in a way, is a very direct challenge to us. So I'd like to end by reading a few verses to Tara. And it's a homage to the 21 Taras, and I won't read the whole thing because it is quite long. Uh, the mantra that Tara has is Om Tare Tutare Ture Swaha, I'm sure we all know, but this does occur in the reading, so in various ways, so perhaps just so in case people don't know what that is. <laughs> 